three, two, one. Well, hello, hello, hello. It's us. Kevin, go ahead. Okay, we are back. It's Teal Tinted Glasses. What the heck is Teal Tinted Glasses? It's a hockey podcast where a few guys just get together and, and shoot the breeze about all things hockey Usually with a slant towards the San Jose Sharks and the San Jose Barracuda, but we'll, you know, this is kind of a free-for-all show, and honestly, now that we're back after a near-two-year hiatus, I will say that my preparation has not gotten any better, folks, So, but I'm really happy to have you here. Um, so on this show, you will see the usual things you used to see, such as me eating dinner and forgetting half the questions that I mean to bring up with my colleagues. So if you want to be part of the show, please send in any comments uh, on on YouTube. If you are listening on a, your favorite podcatcher on replay or something like that, you can always tweet at tint, uh, Teal Tinted Glasses. Ian, remind me of that, because I, I remember it used to be T, uh, TTG Reborn, but is it at Teal Tinted Pod? It is at Teal Tinted Pod. All right. The, All right. the better way so, to do is just message me, though, directly. <laughs> there you go. And what's your Twitter handle, sir? Uh, as you can see above my beautiful face, it is at Ian Blogs Hockey on the Twitter machine. That's that's beautiful. No no paper uh, names. No pulling them up into the screen like like the old times. We're we're going high tech. We've got intros now, and uh, like I said, I'm still forgetting everything. I'm at Kevin Lee 22 and it's a pleasure to be here. And uh, we'll be chatting about hockey for the next 45 minutes, which usually means we'll be chatting for, for the, the next, next 90. <laughs> that's right, because. Ian, remind the viewers and the listeners what our mantra is. Um, we just talk until we're done talking. I don't know what our mantra is anymore. It was, it was something along the line. See, now I don't even remember. Jerk, hockey jerk. You're part of the show, too. I haven't even introduced you yet. Hockey jerk. Hello. Yeah, it's, uh, it's nice to be back. Uh, a year and a half in the making. You know, we... I saw that uh, Friends was having a reunion, and well, gosh darn it, we could not be outdone. Uh, so here we are. Do you remember our uh, our old mantra we used to use? The only mantra that I'm familiar with is when the sharks do good, it's good. <laughs> that's, okay. that's a good one. You know what? That's true. Um, this podcast will be good, despite the fact that the sharks haven't been good for a couple of years. The sharks haven't been good since the last time we were on. So really, what this comes down to, everyone, is now that Teal Tinted Glasses is back... The Sharks might do good again. We'll have to see. Um, the, no, the mantra, the mantra is, um, sorry, this show is going long because that's what we do. We always go long. So, yes, that's why I say we'll probably end up giving you 90 minutes of content here. Stay tuned. And to your point, Kevin, it's also worth noting that since we 
you know, because obviously the podcast was at its height, then it scaled down a little bit, then we took a hiatus altogether. You know, since we stopped being, you know, at the full time at our height, the Barracuda have struggled as well. So, I mean, I don't want to get too ahead of myself here, but, you know, once a week, once every two weeks, you know, whatever we end up deciding, you know, I'm... I'm I'm thinking it's going to get the Barracuda back in the uh, back in the Western Conference final and maybe further. Well, yeah, you know, I think guys that whatever team Danny O'Regan's on, that team's going to the conference final no matter what. I mean, we're seeing it right now with with the Henderson Silver Knights leading the division and then the divisional final. So maybe that logic's not lost on me. In as as uh, we're back in old form, I'm interrupting you. That's okay. Please, take it away. <laughs> I mean, I, I agree with everything you guys said, although I do want to point out that the last show we published was titled Fire Everyone. I just oh, want... so we got, we got fired. <laughs> so we got... Yeah, Fire Everyone, and we fired ourselves, apparently. Um, <laughs> obviously, like everyone, you know, like we said, it's uh, Tilton and Glasses, we're back after uh, a little bit of a hiatus. We're happy to be back. Um, I mean, we wouldn't be back you know, a little housekeeping right off the top. We wouldn't be back without you guys. Like I've, if for all the times we got messages about, Oh, you know, everything's great, but it would be really cool if you guys got back and did a teal to glasses. This is, this is for you guys, because um, I think, you know, we kind of talked about this on a couple of occasions and it never really went anywhere. And then, and then it was going to be like a one-off. And then I was like, well, we could kind of do it regularly again. Couldn't we? Um, I mean, I don't know what the future holds, but I know, what the future doesn't hold in that is less TTG. Um, so we're going to see, we're going to do this for the summer and then we're going to go from there. We'll figure out uh, things as we go, where you got a few different format ideas we're going to try. Um, and I hopefully, you know, you'll come along for the ride and you'll enjoy the show and enjoy the sharks slash hockey slash barracuda slash whatever we talk about, because on this show, nothing's off limits. Really. Um, I think if you remember from, the way we did our show before we covered, we covered a lot of shark stuff. We did, you know, we did definitely talk a lot of sharks. It is a sharks podcast after all, but we also covered a lot of other topics that um, either I found interesting or maybe you found interesting because a lot of the time we covered topics completely based on things that you guys asked us to cover. And we're definitely going to need that to keep this thing uh, rolling full steam. Now, I'm going to get out ahead of this. We are going to do a little expansion draft talk and, you know, we're not really going to get into the draft tonight. I know a lot of people, a lot of immediately when we came back, it's like, Oh God, you got to talk about this stuff. We will get there. We promise tonight. We're just going to, you know, see what happens. Um, that's true. Uh, Skyler with the uh, $5 super chat donation. Uh, Peter DeBoer was still the San Jose Sharks head coach when TTG was last on. This is true. Uh, he was definitely under the fire everyone camp uh, for sure. He was probably top of the list at that point. <laughs> well, and, and you talked about all the different things we talked about. Obviously, Sharks and Barracuda, no doubt. But I mean, we draft coverage. I mean, for sure. You know, we I, I like to think that between the three of us and then Drew as well, you know, we've got a a pretty solid, you know, finger on the junior hockey, Euro, Russia, you know, kind of everything. Uh, covering all those bases. I will say this, though, Ian, right now, like you said, we're doing housekeeping here. Mm-hmm. If if we do not park some time for some Spangler Cup talk at some point, I'm walking out the door. It's in your contract. I, I, I made sure it's, it's, it's in the contract. Don't worry. Yes. And confirmed the Spangler Cup is back on this year. Uh, so we'll see you in December. There you go. <laughs> 
you guys talking about housekeeping and hockey jerk you talking about at the height of our show i i and then you mentioned drew as well i thought the height of the show was when drew was our regular panelist before you jumped on the show but oh that, um, what? <laughs> no you see that's, that's just not... I shouldn't say anything like that because the last time I said something like that on Teal Tinted Glasses, the person never came back. So I kid, hockey jerk. Oh I man! Kid. I mean, I'm I I mean, we'd have to go and we'd have to look at the numbers, but you know, I think I have I think I have a better microphone than Drew. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm not a uh, I'm not a Carolina Hurricanes fan. I think that makes me better. Um, so you know, you're 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 that's the beauty of, of America is you're more than entitled to your opinion, even when that opinion is wrong. So kudos to you. Hey, I feel like that was a slight against me more than it was against Drew, because yes, it's true that you have a better mic. It's honest than me. It's also probably true. You have a better uh, video stream than I do. And I'm the only one of the, between the two of us streaming video and yours is probably still better and my discord avatar is of the carolina hurricanes logo so hmm point taken hockey jerk point taken hey well if we're talking discord avatars i mean mine is literally a cigarette so you know it's not healthy competition (laughs) all right guys so i feel like we've kind of you know i love the banter don't get me wrong but we probably need to actually get down to some business and talk some hockey here so i figure the first place we'll start is the playoffs and obviously you know we've had a few teams already eliminated um we know at least one uh next round uh opponent um but let's start i i figured the best place to start would maybe be to really you know try and shake off the the ring rust here uh i'm sure refs from both these guys will enjoy uh let's shake off the ring rust and and talk about what is next for the teams that lost not so much because we don't know what the playoff matchups are going to be in the next round um so i figure this is probably the good place to start i'd like to start with st louis if that is okay with you um st louis obviously goes out um i don't have they won a series since they won the cup i don't think so uh no because they they lost to vancouver i believe last year in the first round yes yeah and then this year you know they got they got dummied by colorado so yeah, it's 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 uh, it's been a struggle for them, and I think I think Jordan Bennington since winning the cup, I want to say he's zero and nine in the playoffs or something like that. Yes, zero and nine. Uh, yeah, zero and nine in playoff games uh, since winning the cup, which is problematic. <laughs> if you're the if you just I mean he just re up to that deal. Um, I mean I I think that they were a lot of things didn't work there in my opinion. Like I don't think the Hoffman experience experiment was worked out as well as I think they were hoping it would. Um, it's going to be like, it's interesting because I look at that team and I don't know, like other than Bennington obviously needs to, to get his stuff back together, but I don't know what that team does next. I yeah. think they need to work on their blue line. Um, Cause they obviously lost Alex Petrangelo on yeah. the last year. And that's a, a huge part, a pillar of their entire team, their captain. Uh, replaced him with Justin Falk, which Falk's uh, a, a decent player, a player who, if you're looking at like an Olympic roster, would probably make Team USA. Nevertheless, he's not Petrangelo. No. He does have defensive deficiencies. Vince Dunn has taken a step back over the last couple of years defensively, and I think that 
the Blues have too much of a reliance on Colton Pareko because of uh, Bo Meester being gone due to his health concerns. And then and I mentioned Pietrangelo. And I feel like there was another defenseman that they had. Um, Eric Crook. Johnson uh, tends to – wait, Eric Johnson. Good Lord. How long ago <laughs> was that? Uh, Tori never mind about Eric Johnson. But nevertheless – um, I think that the back end needs to be uh, retooled by by the Blues because the they did have young assets that they brought in to try and uh, you know re- replace some guys, but it hasn't really worked out. Um, so I don't know if you you bring in a, a, a couple of key defensemen here or what, but I I would start at the back end because starting at the back end is what got the Blues going on their their ride to the Cup. Never mind the fact that they started off that season horribly and everything, but the the, uh, the foundation was built off the fence before they started bringing in the other, you know, the goaltending and forwards and everything like that. So I think that's where they need to start. Well, and I and I think too, you know, obviously you mentioned the defense, which I think I agree is is an issue. I mean, they have a lot of good. I would say middle middle pairing guys, you know, but like you said, losing Alex Petrangelo, who, you know, he's good for 26 minutes a night. You know, he can do all the right things, um, both on your side of the ice and on their side of the ice. So obviously that's a big loss there. I mean, everything you said, I agree with, and especially with the expansion draft. I mean, even though Vince Dunn has regressed, as you've talked about, I mean, the Blues, I think, are going to lose him unless they get very creative with their uh, with their protection list. A big loss. Nevertheless. Yeah. No kidding. But I'm also looking at the forwards. You know, I mean, David Perron, Ryan O'Reilly, like they had good years. You know, that's mm-hmm. not something to take away from. But, you know, like you said, Ian, the Mike Hoffman experiment didn't really work out. Braden Shen kind of had a down year. Jaden Schwartz had a down year. You know, Tarasenko, I mean, good Lord. I know he was hurt, but still, you know, you have all these guys at forward who are big name players. You know, they're expected to be you know, flirting with that point per game or maybe close to point per game. And there were guys who just didn't, they didn't get there. And, and, you know, you can make the argument, oh, well, they had a lot of injuries and they still made the playoffs, so it's a success. But I think with how, frankly, with how impressive their roster was looking uh, going into this year, I'm surprised that more didn't come of it, to be honest. Yeah, I was surprised. Like, I mean, I didn't think, like, I didn't think they were going to beat Colorado, but I didn't think it would be a sweep either. Like I thought, um, if a team was able to do like, you know, and uh, able to upset, you know, there's two big teams where I thought, Ooh, you know, if they get going, this isn't going to be pretty. Um, and St. Louis was definitely one of those teams where I thought, you know, there's, there's some, there's some upset fuel there. Um, obviously it didn't work out at all. <laughs> they got swept. Um, I mean, I'm looking at their, I'm looking at their cap friendly and, I mean, it's it's funny because you say like they need to, but their defense is like the one thing that seems like it's pretty nailed in place. Um, you know, Scandella, Krug, Falk are all signed long term. Um, Perioko is on for has another year, and then he's a UFA. Uh, Vince Dunn restricted um, restricted free agent with arbitration rights, and then Robert Bertuzzo um, rounding it out, who's on going to be on the last year. Um, or sorry, no, he is also gone. So they they have a little bit of. Uh, no, you have one more year for um, sorry for for Bertuzzo. Um, so I mean, they have a little, they have a lot of wiggle room up front, but the D is where I think they're going to have to get creative because they're pretty, they're pretty locked into the decor they have. 
Um, now, God, I, I'm glad you brought up Tory Krug because I keep forgetting that he signed with St. Louis, and I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. When you're, you know, a defenseman, you kind of want to be hiding in behind the scenes there. But a guy like Krug, who usually can produce in both ends of the ice, uh, needs to be one of those noticeable defensemen. And I forgot he was even there. Yeah, I think, I don't know, I look at this Blues team and that's like the biggest head scratcher to me. Like, it's the one place where, I don't know. <laughs> like, it's, I, I think there's probably easier answers elsewhere, um, but St. Louis isn't one of them for me. Uh, any any other, any other last thoughts on St. Louis before I move on? Um, the Tarasenko injuries over the last two years, he's only played 34 games over the course of two years now. That's a that's a big part because, I mean, mm-hmm. he was the the man on, on offense there for them. And uh, to not be able to perform, and I know uh, a lot of Blues fans have been really down on him saying um, he's a shell of himself now. And, and maybe that could be, possibly be i mean 24 points and 34 points isn't superstar level anymore but i mean it's uh, on the sharks it'd probably be like third on the team uh, yeah i, I think that the the, the, the thing with it. tarasenko is the is the nature of the injuries like they've have they've all been like shoulder arm right? right for a guy who's you know for a guy who's known for his shot that's that's scary sure. um we should... And I think that's why they brought in Mike Hoffman to try and uh, alleviate yeah. some of the pressure on Tarasenko, not to mention uh, that he was hurt for the, the first half of the year. Um, but yeah, like you said, the Hoffman experiment didn't work out. I didn't expect it to, to be honest. I was very shocked that he left Florida. Florida, um, granted, they are no longer in the playoffs, but Florida... Um, seemed to do just fine without Mike Hoffman, to my surprise. But Mike Hoffman, I feel like, struggled without um, having Coach Q. Yeah, I mean, for I, it was a it was a good bet, like four hundred, four for sorry, four million rather for a year. I mean, that's it was a good bet. I don't completely fault them for it. I don't think it worked out. Like, I would I would be shocked if the Blues bought him back. I don't think he's gonna be there going forward. Yeah. Um. I guess so. I guess that would bring us to the next one. I think it's more head scratchy uh, as we go, and that would be the Pittsburgh Penguins because I look at the Penguins and I don't really see like I don't think this is a bad team. In fact, like as high as I was on the on the Islanders in this series, I didn't think that like the Islanders. I have the Islanders in my bracket going all the way to the final four. And I am no longer very confident in that thing now that they're playing the Bruins. Like, I don't want to take anything away from the Islanders. And I don't want to, like, come off as, as the, the Penguins quote that uh, the Penguins account that jerk uh, <laughs> subtweeted earlier where it's like, you know, if you just take away 40% of the goals, they win. I'm, you're right. You're right. If you take away 40% of the Islanders' goals, I guess, you know, the Penguins probably win that series. Um I've never been a big Tristan Jari guy. Uh, Jari, I, to my opinion, like Jari, there's a couple of games that he just gave away. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, there were, I mean, especially in, you know, in that last game of the series. I mean, I, 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 lit, I heard a radio hit this morning that basically was alluding to him or comparing him rather to, to you know, out there playing dodgeball, you know, where it's just like, I'm not going to stop anything because I don't want to get hit. And 
I'm with you. Like I was, I picked the, I picked the Islanders to win in the first round. Make no mistake about that. But it's now two years in a row where I, the Penguins have really impressed me during the regular season, and then they get to the playoffs or last year the play-in, whatever you want to call it. Right. They just totally fall apart, you know. And I think it's such. You're right. It is a head scratcher because I look at. You know, I look at guys like Brian Rust. I look at guys like Jared McCann, Kasperi Kapanen, who actually had good years when a lot of folks were expecting them to take a step back from what they did the previous year. You know, so it's like, okay, some positive guys stepped up. That's great. But then you also look at Jason Zucker. I mean, my God. Like, mm-hmm. you talk about a guy who I don't think has worked out in Pittsburgh at all, to the surprise of everybody, you know. I'm very surprised. I mean, only nine goals this year in 38 games. And you can say, oh, maybe he's hurt. He's not feeling 100% the whole season. But I think they probably would have loved to have a few more goals from him. And just, I mean, you mentioned Jari. Obviously, he was picked over Matt Murray. And, I mean, I guess it, I don't know, you saw what Matt Murray did. What a crap shoot that is. I know. Yeah, basically, you know, <laughs> what side of the bed did you wake up today? And that's pretty much it. But, I'm looking at this blue line, and it, there's a lot of there's a lot of term on this blue line, and I think yep. it's similar to St. Louis. Like you have decent guys, you know what I mean? Like Dumoulin, Marcus Pedersen. Like these are decent guys, but it's like you start throwing around, you know, four million dollar contracts to everybody, and you're not going to really give yourself any room to say go after somebody who's like an elite level defenseman if you want to, you know. And Kevin knows this. I'm a big fan of John Marino, but his contract is looking much brutal, much more brutal this year when you look at how much he regressed. And, you know, there's a lot of words about Matheson, a lot of words about Latang. I think, I still think with the contracts they have, I mean, I, they're still in, you know, the go forward and we'll see what happens kind of mode. But if it were me, I'd be really trying to figure out how to get this blue line back in order just because it seems like it's a lot of money tied up to okay to average guys yeah i wonder i wonder like if i'm the penguins i feel like you have one more really go for it year right like i understand that crosby's still signed for another four i believe after this but next year is your last year on malkin who's gonna be 35 next year um you know crosby's getting up there too but what 34 next year um like they have to go for it. Like they can't, you know, they, they, they can't roll over now. They have to go for it. I think the only thing that works kind of in their favor is that, you know, Kristen Jari is only at 3.5 million. Yeah. You know, so you could, I'm not saying you buy them out. Like maybe you don't buy them out, but you could probably squeeze some cap and make a tandem there with another cheap goaltender and hope it works out. Like I, like I'm not I, I I'm I'm sour on Jari, but I'm not like he's not Martin Jones nuclear waste to me yet, <laughs> right? Like it's a it's it was a bad playoff for sure, um, but I don't think you know. I still think you know he's a young guy. He's still 26. I mean he's young for a goalie still. Um, I I'm not you know like I said I don't think he's completely radioactive at this point, but. Do you want someone other than maybe Casey DeSmith backing him up or playing tandem? Probably. Yeah, and Casey DeSmith has has uh, been a little bit up and down here in his his NHL time. Um, he was, I think, slightly better than Tristan Jari this year, and his stats uh, prove that as well. But just overall, 
uh, throughout the season when I check in on Pittsburgh, I felt like Casey DeSmith was uh, getting better reviews from, from the media, at least, than, and, and fans than Tristan Jerry was. But um, you mentioning maybe bringing in another goalie. I mean, that's a conversation for our eventual free agency for sure. Uh, show, but I mean, you look at Carolina. Alex Nedeljkovic is uh, playing lights out for them, and with Peter Mrazek and James Reimer, both free agents after the year, I think uh, there's some possibilities there. Um, for me, I'm a little different on the Penguins than you guys in that. I mean, they do. They definitely have the, some talent, and or a lot of talent actually. Um, but for me to for them to be uh, up up at the top of the division there that I don't feel like on paper at least their team is as good as that and so I think they overachieved for a huge portion of the year especially because they did not start off very well so they 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 propelled up the standings based on a really hot stretch and I think that after they cooled off they, they just cooled off at the wrong time and going into the playoffs against a team like the Islanders, which has had the same nucleus for a number of years now and had playoff success now the last few years as well. It's something, uh, throwing a shark slant on this, uh, we've seen with the Sharks, you know, you can't win on talent alone. You need to have cohesion. For that sure. was why I picked Pittsburgh to lose to Montreal in the playoff qualifier last year, and that's exactly what they did. I felt like they had no cohesion. This year, I don't know. I, I didn't watch enough Pittsburgh to really fairly state they have no cohesion again, but I didn't feel like they made enough roster changes to really change my mind on that. Versus a team like, oh, and then we've seen it with the Sharks, where mm -hmm. they have uh, a, a ton of quality players, but seemingly no teamwork whatsoever. I don't know if that goes to coaching necessarily, because I think Mike Sullivan's a, an excellent coach for the Penguins, but maybe they either need someone, uh, a fresh voice behind the bench, or... Uh, you keep the coach, but you say, hey, man, th this roster is just not going to work no matter who we have uh, coaching behind the bench. Um, it's it, it's time to, to swap some some parts out, especially defense with all those, as you guys said, all those $4 million defensemen they have and John Marino's getting a pay bump up to $4 million, 4 .4 next year. Uh, we've seen that with the Sharks, too much salary spent on the blue line. Pittsburgh is really no better on that category. It's interesting you brought up coaching. So I, I think that's where that would, I think, I guess, be my next question. Because, you know, Casey, I don't think Casey DeSmith saw any action in this series at all. Uh, he was hurt, apparently. Oh, okay. That makes sense then. Because I was curious, like, because they, they seem really stuck on Jari. Like, Jari, and I, I wasn't sure what that situation was. I, I mean, I watched a few of those of those games, not not complete games, because I generally do like a lot of just flipping through games, well, especially yeah. in the first round, like when there's eight yeah. games on at one time. Like I just, I generally don't pick one. I'll pick it to it. But I mean, I, like I understand, like you know, regardless, like that the the tweet that Jerk pointed out was was silly, but I I kind you know I kind of get what they're coming from. Like I would have just said our goalie was trashed, and if our goalie wasn't trashed, maybe we win because I thought they. There was long stretches of the hockey that I watched in that series where the Islanders were getting outplayed by the Penguins. But, I mean, you know, the end result, 
sometimes you don't get the results you deserve. Well, and it, and it a, seemed to your ahead. point to your point, Ian. It seemed like there were a couple of times in that series where the Islanders they came out looking really flat, and Pittsburgh, you know, Pittsburgh took advantage or they looked to take advantage, and then you know, especially as we saw, um, you know, in the elimination game. I mean, the Islanders just came at them quick, and Pittsburgh didn't really have an answer for it. Um, yeah, I, I, I want to go back, and I keep hyper focusing on this, but you know, we kind of touched on the expansion draft, and I'm looking like, you know, and I somebody pointed out in the chat as well, but like, the Penguins have, I would argue, nine forwards that they should probably protect, 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 Jesus, and not really a whole lot of draft picks this year. Trekkies back. <laughs> I know I don't always pay attention, but like you know, I'm I'm wondering I'm wondering if we're gonna see and I'm gonna go back to Jason Zucker again, but you know, you bring in you bring in Casperi Kapan and you bring in Jeff Carter. What does that say about how they feel about Jason Zucker who had a down year, you know, yeah, not gonna probably not gonna have a protection spot available for him. They need draft picks. I mean if if you want a bold prediction, you know, we can restart the foreseen clock here. I could see Pittsburgh try and move on from Zucker if they want to jazz things up, which I think would be really unfortunate considering what they gave up to get him. And yeah. honestly, like if you're if you're Seattle, like I don't know, I I I have to imagine they're probably going to dangle Jeff Carter. Like I know Jeff Carter's like you know at the twilight of his career, he's thirty six now, right? And he's twenty seven, but for two point six million, like you could do a lot yeah. worse. You're Seattle. Well, and considering how his 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 career looks to have taken a defibrillator to come yeah. alive here, I mean, maybe that gets him feeling in a good place, and he kind of parlays that into a really good contract here, you know? Yeah, I mean, thirty seven. So, I mean, but but even still, like even even for a year at two point six three for you could do a lot worse than Jeff Carter for that. Um, I don't have them on the list, but Washington would definitely be a team. Um, a lot of head scratchers. And then there's the Washington Capitals, which, poof. I think that we, um, or, or are we going to, moving on to the Capitals? Because I yeah. was going to say, oh, go ahead. We could, we could definitely focus a future episode on the Caps because I think we're going to be talking about them a lot. In the Probably. Episode. We we could, we could. We can cover it briefly here. I'm sure I agree, though. Like the Capitals are definitely a team that I feel like we're going to be talking a lot about this summer. Uh, I really, I really think we're going to be going. Is the 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 leads on the show are going to be the Capitals more often than not? Yeah. Um. I mean, obviously, Ovechkin's. I, I can't see Ovechkin going anywhere. Like he's. Like, I, do I think there's going to be another? I don't know if he gets another long deal. Like, does he get a career-ending deal? I don't know. Or if he takes like a couple or, you know, does the Joe Thornton thing and just takes whatever's left. Um, But go ahead. I had read that like his his number one choice, his best case scenario was a four year deal. That's what I had read. Take him to the end of his. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, And I mean, it's not like, yes, he's 35. But I mean, I don't think if you signed him to four years with where the production is still at, I don't think you would really be making that much of a gamble you know i mean if he let's say he regresses from 50 goals to 35 goals oh no (laughs) exactly that's i don't know that's like i said i think it's all kind of focused on ovechkin like you get ovechkin locked up but 
and I know Kevin and I have talked about this, but you got a lot of question marks. You know, what do you? What's the plan with Kuznetsov? You know, do you? You know, do you maybe try and figure out get another defenseman? I mean, I think uh, they tried Justin Schultz. Mm-hmm. He seemed all right there, but I mean, aside from Carlson, Dylan, and Orlov, I I don't know. I'm just not overly thrilled with what they have on their blue line and. Obviously, the goaltending. I mean, Ilya Samsonov is good, but a lot of drama with him this year. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. And then, um, you know, and they had the other goalie, too, that got hurt early on. I think, like, hasn't Vanacek. Samson- yeah, Vanacek. I think Vanacek has outplayed Samsonov, but unfortunately got hurt in that first game, which means they had to go with Craig Anderson and him. I don't, yeah. I don't know why I was so enamored. When I did my bracket, I don't know why I was so enamored with the with the Capitals. Like it's one of those Get it, man. I have them losing in the finals, the Stanley Cup finals. Oh, there you go. See, maybe I was less enamored than you were clearly, but like I don't know, like <laughs> they were my they were my pick to win the Stanley Cup at the start of the season, even though like in my heart I was thinking the Lightning would repeat and which is what I ultimately chose in my bracket Me was too. the Lightning to repeat. Um but I really thought that uh, and it wasn't even the Chara factor. I just felt like the Capitals had something to prove after last year and still had the great nucleus. They have Ovechkin and Backstrom, obviously Carlson on the back end, but you've got Kuznetsov. They had Vrana. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a lot to like, and, and I think their their bottom six was very good. And Nick Dowd, really solid defensive center there. So, I mean, they had a lot of parts, but... But except for, I like Jerk's point about the defensive depth wasn't really there. I think Michael Kempney was hurt for a lot of the year. Mm-hmm. That was a big loss. Jensen is a serviceable defenseman, but that's about it. I'm not a big fan of Justin Schultz. So um, this was a disappointment. But I think I think there was a lot of off-ice stuff going on that really distracted the team. And Definitely. so they started doubting themselves. And then... It seemed like there started to be kind of a blame game on the ice when when things would go wrong, and and I think the 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 team just kind of soured on itself, and it allowed the Bruins. I mean, you can't give the Bruins an inch. No, and and the Capitals gave them a foot. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Game over. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I didn't. I like I said on my bracket, I didn't foresee Craig Anderson getting starts. Um, that definitely didn't help anything. Um, I look at this team. I mean, it's hard because like this team is, this team is locked up. Like, and they're gonna have to do something. Like, I, I think we're gonna talk a lot about like when we're talking about Washington. And I believe that the next thing after Capitals will be if Genny Kuznetsov will be the, the the guy we're talking about a lot this summer. It's gonna be interesting to see what they do there because I mean the noise around that team and around him like like again this is a team that's locked up at yep. least for the next two years like so if you're gonna do something that's probably where you have to start yeah and i and i think too i mean <laughs> i mean just go back like i had totally forgotten about the whole like cocaine thing i'd totally forgotten about that because he found himself on the COVID protocol list twice this mm-hmm. year, which to my knowledge, he's the only player who's ended up there twice. 
Um, and so you obviously you don't want to speculate on what they no. are or are not doing, but it, it, it does create some questions as to you know are you okay? Why are the protocols not working for you, but they're working for everybody else? You know what I mean? So yeah, and just other disciplinary like you're not yeah, skating tonight because you're being disciplined, and we're not disclosing why. Like exactly, clearly, yeah, you know, there's something going on, and I don't you know I don't want to sit here and tell you oh they need to. You know, they need to, you know, dump them back to, you know, dump them in Novo Kuznetsk or anything. But, like, it's just a very curious case because, like, you think about that cup run, like, he was cash money for them. Like, if the Smythe ended up going to him, I don't think anybody would have been too upset about that, even though I think Ovechkin deserved it. Mm-hmm. And to go from that to, you know, he had a down year last year and even more down year this year, you know, the cocaine thing, COVID protocol like you said healthy scratches for mysterious reasons i i don't see a way out of this unless they trade him away and i mean he's still a good player don't get me wrong i'd love to have a player like him but washington is not getting fair value for him i would no. be surprised if they did. no damage 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 goods um all right so that brings us to florida and i feel like florida's a team where you don't really have to do anything like you Lost to a better Lightning team. There's a lot there to like. I thought that once they went with, I mean, look, they they have they have issues in gold. You have ten million dollars wrapped up with um, Bobrovsky, and that's problematic. But I thought Spencer Knight, who's going to be on the cheap for a little bit at least, I thought he came in and I thought he did pretty well, all things considered. Um, like he definitely looks like he could be a guy going forward for them. Like I feel like for them that. I mean, they ran into a really good Tampa team. Uh, I know, I know, they were the higher seed, but um, you know, Tampa obviously getting their reinforcements, their controversial reinforcements at the end of the season. <laughs> um, they, uh, to me, they lost to a better team, and I feel like this is one of those losses where you don't really worry about it. You hope that it's like kind of like the bloody nose you get before you know you come back and 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 win the fight. I agree. I, I, you know, I think, I think they added a lot of really good pieces this year in order to finally have them be competitive. And, you know, a lot of those pieces are going to be sticking around. I mean, Hornquist is locked up. Sam Bennett's an RFA, but you can get him locked up, especially the year. Oh, I think uh, he's coming. Yeah, he had. they. I think they like him there. I think he's a good yeah. fit there too. Agreed. And, you know, Carter Verhage had a really good year, even on the back end. You know what I mean? Bringing in Marcus Nudevara. Um, bringing in Radko Gudis. I mean, these are guys who made a difference. And um, Alexander Wenberg as well coming in off the buyout. I just think Florida, and, and I feel like, dude, I feel like we've been talking about Florida for years where it's like mm-hmm. they're finally on the cusp and then they never get there. And I feel like this year I think was a really good year for them. And I think, like you said, I agree. I wouldn't do anything. I would try and keep the band back, keep the band together as much as they could. And maybe add another piece, but I don't think they have to do a whole lot. No, like I said, I think I, I think if you can, I mean, goaltending, the money on their, their goaltending is a problem, but it's not, it doesn't have, like, it doesn't have to really hurt them because I think Spencer Knight's the guy you use going forward, unless he takes a serious step back and falls off completely, then obviously then you have to reconsider, but like you could let a guy like Chris Dreacher go no problem because I think Spencer Knight showed that he has the tools to be the guy, like he's going to be the future there, I think. Um, you know, and he's less than a million for the next three years or two years after this year, obviously. Um, 
I, I think it's a good like it was I think this was a good experience for this team. I I just I like them. Like I just I feel like this is a team where, you know, they got their nose a little bloody and that that's going to be good for them, I think. I think they'll learn from it going forward. It's a pretty young team still. Um so I mean, I I think, you know, you hope they learn from it. Maybe maybe you add something at the deadline, but I don't think you have to do anything drastic in the off season other than, you know, re up a few guys that you're going to have to pay. Like you're going to have to pay Anthony Duclair um probably a little more and you're going to have to re up Sam Bennett, but I mean, aside from that, you know, other than re-upping a few guys, I think you can pretty much stay the course. And, you know, if you have any, I think they have to probably have to look at the blue line a little bit, but I think you come back with the same team. I think they're going to do fine. Um, I think they'll do fine in the, um, which division will they be next year? Atlantic? Yeah, Atlantic, right? Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I think they'll be fine. Um, and then you just kind of, and then you save some space to do something at the deadline and address whatever need you, you find, uh, Kevin, any any thoughts on the, on the Panthers, Kevin? I think the Panthers just need to stay the course right now. Um, I, I think they've got a, just great things going. They've got um, good, young, solid players, uh, good, young players in development. Uh, Joel Quenville being behind the bench um, has done a, a magnificent, magnificent job there. Um, just, you know, I think with Dale Talon coming in as the GM there once upon a time or, or twice upon a time, <laughs> um, I think he, he really changed that culture in that organization. And then, obviously, Talent had the relationship with Joel Quenville. So, um, I mean, and they won how many cups with the Blackhawks together? So, um, or at least uh, maybe not Talon, but, I mean, Talon built that foundation to get there. And I feel like uh, there's a lot of parallels between the Panthers of today and the Blackhawks of 10 years ago. Uh, maybe maybe not to the extent of like I don't know if they've got a a, a cane and a taze, but Barkov for sure, uh, no doubt. And then Huberdeau has really found his game the last three years in particular. So um, I I think the Panthers um, just need to keep doing what they're doing. Uh, I think they're on the right track. Are they on a cup winning track? I don't know. Maybe they need one or two moves to to put them on that path. Just because um, I would not rank them uh, along with like Carolina and Colorado as like the good young powerhouse teams who are only going to move forward. I wouldn't put Florida there, but they've, there's a lot to like about um, if you're a Panthers fan. So yeah, fair enough. Um, Edmonton, <laughs> Edmonton, Edmonton, Edmonton. I think I, now the rest of the show will be about the Edmonton Oilers. Oh, I'm kidding. No. Um, I think there's just, there's no depth. That team is as deep as a puddle. And it's not basketball. Like, and I don't, uh, I, 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 I don't think Connor McDavid would tell you he played his best series. But the, you know, just let Connor do everything isn't a great plan either. That series showed what happens when you only rely on two weapons 
and you come up against a team that can actually defend them. Yeah, and like I'm not super I'm not super enamored with this Jets team, which surprises me because usually they're my they're my go to once the Sharks are gone, right? Usually Jets are, are my team because I like Nick Ehlers, I like Connor Hellebuck. And I like they're don't get me wrong, like there's they're a decent team, but I don't but they don't scare me going forward. Like I don't think they're they're in for a deep run. I think part of that might be the fact that the the Jets were underwhelming for most of the year. Yeah. Like how many people were were talking about how the the Jets would be right up there near or at the top of the Canadian division because, um, you know, it, I mean, no one really expected the Canucks to fall off as much as they did. No, they fell I hard. I did expect the flame the flames to flame out like they did this year. I I totally felt that coming. Um, but I think overall, just, uh, you know, you got Montreal in there who, who kind of hangs around. But mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of people picked this to be the, the year the Jets took a step forward. And I'd say they took a step back, but they're finding their rhythm right now. I mean, it's like the counterbalance to the Penguins, where the Penguins caught fire in March. The Jets are catching fire now uh, at the right time of the year. And I don't, I'm with you. I don't think they get past the next series. Um, unless, unless, unless they, they play Montreal. It's <laughs> Toronto. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, like I, I would take them in that situation, but I feel like, and I'm not even like, I'm not even super sour on the North. Like I just, but I just feel like whatever team comes out of there is like, they're, they're going to be the weakest team left. And that's and, and that's not like I'm not trying to knock that division. I mean, just look at the teams that could potentially go forward. That's what we bring on teal tinted glasses. There you go. Bring a realistic approach, even though the show's called teal tinted glasses. It's true. <laughs> and now this is why the Sharks are going to win the Stanley Cup. I, yeah. On twenty one. Okay. Yeah, I, I just I don't know what to do. Um, like Edmonton. I mean, there's a lot they can do there. I think. You've got a lot of guys that are coming up that you can probably try and and retool, but I don't know how. It's a lot of. I think they have to do a lot. Like it's the problem is is not that Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle are are geezers at this point, but it's. I think to do to make the moves they need to do, it's going to be a couple seasons to before they can really make solidify their depth. Because I don't think it's yeah. that kind of thing you can fix in an off season. I, I agree, and I and I like what you mentioned too, Kevin. About this is proof right here. What happens when you have two guys who are scoring enough points to make up for like six guys on any other team? You know what I mean? I mean, it's great to have superstars, and like, good for you. You know, you as good as they are on their own. You know, you clearly did the right things to help them develop into good NHL players. Nobody's faulting them for that, no. but. You know, and this is a conversation I had with Drew Weber, who I should mention picked Edmonton in four in his back bracket challenge. But anyways, um, <laughs> yeah, that was my thought, Kevin. But I said I was like, dude, you know, if Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisel, if they go quiet, nobody's picking up that slack. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Jesse Pugliarvi, Kyler Yamamoto. These are good players. 
they had down years, and to me, there was no real indication that they were going to miraculously pull themselves out of it. You know, the three of them I would have liked more from, Alex Shiasan, Dominic Cahoon, James the Real Deal Neil, if he can get into the lineup. Like, these are guys that I wanted, if I was an Edmonton Oilers fan, wanted more from, and... You know, they didn't make it happen, and then obviously, you know, I I have room in my heart for Mike Smith, but he was punching up all year. To expect him to carry them to the Cup, I think, was uh, very generous. And they want to bring him back next year. Yeah, well, I from what I understand, the idea is that he's the 1B, and they're just going to literally take any avenue they can to throw Koskinen overboard. Fair enough. Well, I, you guys... Uh... You, you could probably anytime we talk about the Oilers in in past episodes of Tilt uh, Tilt Tinted Glasses, uh, you probably heard me not raving so much about Miko Koskinen and his horrific glove hand. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I, you know, I and and I know somewhere probably dating back to Technology Writers Room, I talked about Mike Smith being one of those goalies who's an every other year kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, Given his age, especially, I think the Oilers do need to look at a, a new avenue for goaltending because of the fact that um, Smith's up there. He's like, what, 38 now? And um, he's due to have a bad year next year because that's just what he does. Um, I liked your point about Yamamoto and and Puliyarvi and you know I thought Puliyarvi had a good series. Huh? I th- I said I thought Jesse Puliyarvi had a good series. Sure, but 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 just overall not like taking that step step up, not getting that clutch goal when it was needed cuz like look at the Islanders and mm-hmm. I, I talked about how they have the nucleus. Part of that nucleus is is coming from past playoff success. Like Josh Bailey was a a serviceable guy who had some good moments, but then like one year in the, he like blew up, went out of control and then been kind of running with it ever since last year, Anthony Bavillier kind of hummed and then all of a sudden exploded in the playoffs and hadn't had a great year for them. And, and uh, Brock Nelson's had been, had a similar story. I think a couple of years ago um, where he really, uh, had a lot of tools to, you know, in in the chest or whatever, but hadn't quite put it together until a solid playoff year. Um, and then I think he's great for them. So like the the Oilers don't have those kind of stories. No. Uh, and and I think that's really where they're lacking. And I also, I don't know if you want to touch up on that, but I do just want to get it out there real quick. Cooper Marodi and um, Tyler Benson have been torching the AHL for two years now. And uh, you, you guys know me. I like the safe approach of leaving players down um, to, to season in the, in the minor leagues. But if the Oilers don't have depth, and Benson and Marodi clearly show that they don't need to prove themselves anymore in the AHL. Why are guys like them not getting called up halfway through this year? And and that might be the difference there too. You never know. Yeah, I think and I, I think there's one thing that I do want to say though, like in in McDavid and Drysidle's defense, because I think they did get shut down. But I mean, this is why you need you know this is why you need the bottom six to get you points in the playoffs because the second the playoffs start, well, it's prison yard rules on the ice. So. <laughs> <laughs> right like and, and obviously that doesn't really help 
their, their stars. Like, and that's the one thing that drives me crazy about the playoffs is, you know, it's like, okay, playoff time, prison yard rules, everyone grab your shanks and <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's, it, and I, and I read a stat and that's like, it, it boggles my mind. You're telling me that with all the speed that Connor McDavid has. And again, I, I think Connor McDavid will be the first to tell you he didn't have a good playoff round, but he didn't draw a single penalty. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, that's not right. A guy that fast can't draw a penalty in the playoffs? That's not right. Well, and I and man, I just feel like, you know, you guys were talking about we could do an entire show on Washington. I feel like I have a show's worth of things to say about Edmonton. I believe you it. Know? I mean, I just and uh, you know, like Zach Cashian, like I think he's effective at what he does, but to all of a sudden think, "Oh, he's a 3 million dollar player and he's going to spend the whole year with McDavid." Like I think I, I think you're you're definitely um, still believing in Santa Claus at that point. <laughs> um, but you know you have stuff like that, and and I, I I don't knock them for believing in guys, but I also think that you need to sort of take stock in reality and 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 sort of look at what you have. And I think, man, I I agree with you, Kevin. I don't think Puliyarvi took the as big of a step as he wanted to, but I think he still trended in the right direction so i think if you you want to find a positive i think that's it you guys know i'm a big fan of yamamoto he's could have had 2.0 but the one kind of thing that i look at one of the few i really zero in on is like it seemed to me after the halfway point of the year edmonton was just like you know what we are so done with kyle turris we don't even want him on the ice yeah like i was one of the dummies who was thinking oh you know lower contract you know better team um you know maybe this will be a good thing for him to kind of get it back on track and somehow he got worse so you know i'm not going to sit here and tell you that kyle turris is the reason they got swept but i sure as hell think it would be nice if kyle turris was 2017 kyle turris for sure I think okay, so I, I, I'm going to move it on from the playoff uh, conversation here. Um, I think we'll. I think I like this. I think we'll do this. We will cover the teams that go out as they go out. So we have a few teams left playing. So I think next time we sit down, we'll go over um, the rest of the teams that go out in the first round uh, and anything else that comes up on our next show. Um, I do want to move on though because we are. I didn't. Uh, I probably should have known we were probably going to talk about all this stuff for way longer than I have it in my head that we're going to talk about it. But that's okay. Um, not the line. Pardon? That's not the line. No, I know the we're running a little long. We're going long because we always go. We, long. It's true. We're going long because we always go long. It, it's true. This is what happens. Um, Everybody, mark your bingo cards. You said it. <laughs> um, but you know what? So so here's there. There was something that I did want to talk about, and I planned this a long time ago. So maybe it's not going to be as relevant right now as it would have been maybe three weeks ago. But that's fine. Um, I the one team I did want to talk about, um, and then I will tell you how it involves the sharks and we can toronto maple leafs this bitch where we could be this is what we're going to talk about and this is how it relates to the sharks or how it's about the sharks um i want to talk about the new york rangers new york rangers a few weeks ago um cleaned out their front office cleaned out their coaching staff um and to me it surprised me the front office the coaching maybe not because i feel like you who coaches the start of the rebuild usually doesn't. I'm not saying the Rangers are done the rebuild, but they're definitely on the point now where they should continuously rise. Yeah. Um, 
And so when they cleaned out their front office, it really surprised me because I look at that team and I'm like, this team is set. Like they, they have the prospects they've got, they're pretty, you know, they're, they're good. Pretty much. They got guys at every position. It seems like it's just an issue of getting it all to come together on the ice. Like what was your guys thoughts when this happened? I was I was very surprised and I, and and I've been in the years past and and you could probably even go back and listen to past shows of ours from back in the day where I was I've I've always been very complimentary of David Quinn because you know he comes in he's a new he's a rookie NHL coach you know coaching a team with a decent amount of NHL rookies to me it seemed like it just made a lot of sense mm-hmm. um and then you know, I agree with you, Ian. I think they, you know, I think they really made a lot of positive steps in the right direction. I mean, Panarin and Zibanejad are obviously, they are what they are. Kevin's friend, Buchnevich, had another good year. You know, Adam Fox maybe is nominated for the Norris Trophy this year. Colin Blackwell from, you know, from the top rope. Like, it, <laughs> they had a lot of really feel-good stories this year and trended in the right direction. And I don't want to say playoffs next year, but it... I wouldn't be surprised if they at least sniffed it halfway through. Yeah. And then to just blow it up, you know, oh, you know, so conveniently soon after the whole Tom Wilson drama, it's like, okay, if you're not the owner, you are gone, basically. Pretty Except much. for Chris Drury for some reason. And so I I I don't know. I mean, it almost feels like a a step back in a way because it makes me wonder what the players think like how did the players feel about um about jeff gordon how did they feel about david quinn mm-hmm. like are these guys that they wanted to be like yeah you know life's good we love the guys we work for and now they're just gone and i think you said ian you know gone at the hands of an owner who i'll be totally honest with you i had never even heard of until the tom wilson drama and now i'm supposed to sit here and believe that he's like some you know, nine to five everyday guy who's got a desk in the GM's office, you know, it's, it's very peculiar. I don't, I think the talent is still there, but I just think like Kevin was talking about earlier, morale and cohesiveness. I could really see that take a hit, especially if they were in love with David Quinn. And the other thing, like, I know, like, like Lafreniere didn't have a great year. Right. But like, I think it's really like a lot of people are like, Oh, guys a bust. Like, this is what happens, I guess, when your drafts have been when your drafts have been loaded to the gills for so long. Like, you know, like it seemed like every draft that we've had lately has had like all these just insane, you know, generational, near generational guys at the top. Oh no, Lafreniere wasn't Connor McDavid year one. Damn, like blow everything up. Like, you know what I mean? Like Capo Caco, like they've got guys that are gonna be great players. And to me, like to just oh, but they're not tough enough. Like, I, they they just like for they, you know, James Dolan loses his mind, and then a second later, they're they're Philadelphia. Well, they're not tough enough. Got to blow everything up. Not enough five minute majors. <laughs> like, it baffles my mind. And and the thing is, like, for those that don't know, and I'm not like a huge basketball guy. Like I, but I do follow like the business of sport. I'm always fascinated by the business of sport. And, like, generally, James Dolan leaves the Rangers alone. But the Knicks, not so much. 
that guy is that guy like Knicks like Knicks fans hate James Dolan because of the times that he's just come in and meddled and meddled and meddled and you know to me like I just to me like it blows my mind because like I said I think they've yeah they're not there yet but all the pieces are there for that team to be to rise to the top of that division Kevin anything you want to throw in on this the rain the whole Rangers situation is just I don't know what to make of it because it, it, there's been so much going on um, clearly off ice uh, involving you know with the owners and the, the everyone getting fired I did actually expect da- uh, David Quinn to be fired midseason for the exact point you brought up earlier about how uh, coaches at the start of the rebuild tend to not last through the rebuild and so by unless you're jeff unless you're jeff blashful (laughs) unless you're jeff blashful yeah well that rebuild's not over yet (laughs) certainly not but but point uh, point for you there jerk (laughs) but um i don't know i don't know what to really make of it um and especially right now because there's no there's no head coach so like Capo Caco has not uh, lit up the world, but I think he's been fine. I think he's progressed. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's all you can really ask for right now at this stage. I think Lafreniere will be fine. I remember talking with Felix, who's, you know, one of our, you know, friends and viewers. Uh, I remember Felix saying, like, I feel like this draft class has been underwhelming this year. And I was just like, welcome to most draft classes before 2014. Right, yeah. yeah been watching hockey that long he's been watching hockey i think four or five years now so um so he's not used to that and i'm like this is just normal this is what happens there were just a number of years in a row that consecutive years that were abnormally good drafts like loaded at the top end yeah Yeah. at least perceived as good drafts um but i think right now with the rangers i'm waiting to see who gets named head coach before i really am like "Mm, let's see which direction they go i would like them just like the panthers to stay the course because we were talking um at least in in our discord chats before the year about like ooh, the rangers are are an up-and-coming team and they get lafreniere as first overall in the draft like that's scary um and with zabanajad and panarin and buchnevich and fox and mm-hmm. uh, even ryan lindgren was was doing pretty well as a defensive defenseman for them like shesturkin like there's a lot colin of blackwell <laughs> Paul, and colin crusher blackwell crushed it this year yeah. he was really really good for them um so they've, they've got a lot there maybe they need like one more veteran, solid veteran leader in the locker room um, to help solidify things. And um, I don't know. I think Gerard Gallant might be a, a, a good coach for them. That is who I thought immediately when that mm-hmm. vacancy yeah. opened up. Yeah, because I know some people were talking about torts back to oh. back to the Big Apple, <laughs> and I think they got the wrong New York team uh, for torts. I actually think he'd be really good for the Buffalo Sabres. But uh, maybe not so good for Jack Eichel, but I think Jack Eichel might need a kick in the butt. So, but I think Gallant could do a lot with that team because I feel like the Rangers are built a lot like how Vegas was built. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Um, and the other thing that always makes me like the other thing that was really concerning was like 
Mark Messier kind of like comes out of nowhere. It's like, you know, he's on the radio talking down the team. Like he's going to be a head coach. I have no patience for Mark Messier. Like Mark Messier was a great player, but like, I have no patience with guys that don't put in the time. Like this guy just, he just decided that because he was a great hockey player and a great leader that he should just get to coach in the NHL. Like, I have no, like, Patrick Watt, at least when he made the jump, like, he had coached in the queue forever, right? Like, he didn't just walk into an NHL, didn't say, hi, I'm Patrick Watt, I'll take your NHL job, please. Like, I have no time for Messier at all. Well, and and, and to your point, you know, like, I, and, and he's been doing, you know, since he retired, obviously, you know, doing, like, commercials, a lot of charitable stuff, and, and that's all fantastic stuff, you know, you got to you know, do some good in the community, you know, pay some bills here and there, whatever. But I do agree, like a guy, like you said, Patrick Waugh coached in the queue, you know, and, and even other, like I mentioned, David Bob Bugner Quinn, coached you know? in the queue. Yeah, Bob Bugner coached in the queue, David Quinn. You or know? coached in the, uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, co- you know, David Quinn has at least coached hockey, you know what I mean, before the NHL. And like, I, like I'm sure Rangers fans are saying, or, you know, very in love with Mark Messier and think he would save the team tomorrow, but it's like I think I think there's a subset of them that do, but I think most people are like, no, this guy hasn't done anywhere else. Like, well, and and, and it's like the same, you know. If we want to tie this back to the Sharks, there are a lot of people who say, oh, well, why isn't Owen Nolan the GM? And it's like, yeah. well, how much time do you have? <laughs> you know what I mean? No, and I think that's like the perfect segue because what does this have to do with the Sharks? Well, I think this has a lot of comparables to like why you want things to happen to the sharks and why you don't want things to happen to the sharks because i've said this a bunch you know i'm happy that hassel plotner signs the checks and lets the hockey people run the hockey department because i'm not saying look at i am not a big doug wilson guy at this point in time in his tenure with this team but like if things were you know if things were going like you don't want an owner coming in and busting everything up when they're in the right place. Now I'm not saying the sharks are in the right place right now, but I also don't want the owner coming in and just, you know, Oh, well I I'm angry at Doug Wilson. So Mike Ricci, you're the GM now. Right. Right. I'm going to, I want to elaborate on your point, but take it a different way i don't know did you want to finish anything off on that no go so i know that we've definitely had this discussion it's probably been off air but something that drives me insane about the sharks and i see it with like the, the rangers for sure now um we've seen it it wasn't working for colorado but it did eventually work we'll see what happens with detroit it's Bringing in your own former players to, to fill in the management roles. All great and dandy for alumni and, and all that. But if they don't know what they're doing, is it really beneficial? And I'm not saying any of these players or former players now, uh, you know, development coaches or whatever, or GMs in the case of like Chris Drury with the Rangers and Joe Sackick in the Avalanche and all that. But um, you know, Joe Saka seems to definitely know what he's doing now, but he didn't at first. For sure. But I hate the go-to of we're going to keep it all in-house. So yeah. Nicholas Sundstrom's a, a scout, and Brian Marchment's a scout, 
And uh, why is he a scout? Because he used to be a shark. <laughs> right. Okay, that's his credential. And so what what Jerk's talking about with Mark Messier is like he's he's throwing his voice out there. And he, you know, as a former alumni and a proud former New York Ranger, I think that Mark Messier absolutely should has warranted being able to speak his mind about his former team, but it, it does seem to have uh, an immediate effect on on that team and and the direction that they're going, and that's that's the problem that I have. And I think that's kind of where you were going with it, Ian, where it's like, yeah, you you've done a lot of good as a player, but who are you to? say my way is right and (laughs) well yeah it's not even that i just like i don't like when like you said guys get jobs like um patrick bring up a good point it's working for la but like those guys weren't just handed the keys they worked their way up to that point i have no problem with guys that work their way up to that point if guys that learn the ropes you know either as an agm or a scout or whatever and then they you know and they work their way up to gm that's fine like, I have no problem. Like, Rob Blake was the AGM there for a long time before he became GM. Like, he worked under, you know, he worked with, he worked under Lombardi, I think, for a while. And then, you know, and then eventually he was moved up to GM. So, like, you know, Ron Hextall's another guy who's been an AGM on a couple of teams before he was a GM. Like, I have no problem with those guys working their way up. I just, I hate when they're just given jobs like they're just well this former guy is great so we're going to give him the keys to the team just to keep fans happy and you know no no training like steve eiserman did a bunch of stuff before you know um being handed the keys in Tampa. i mean he did it more in international hockey and everything else but i mean obviously it's it's worked out um so i have no problem with guys being under under the learning tree and moving up into jobs i just hate guys that like Mark Messier is a guy who's always kind of spoken out about, oh, I'd, I'd really like to coach. I'd really like to do this, but I'm not doing it unless it's in the NHL. And to me, that's that's garbage. Jonathan Dolan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and not only that, but like we, how much have we talked about too, even even in the last five years, like we, we talk so much about how the NHL has changed. Mm-hmm. You know, five years ago, it's different. Ten years ago. 15 years ago, you know what I mean? I I look at how Marc Messier retired in 2004 mm-hmm. and I and I say what do you know about the about hockey? Not even the NHL, hockey in 2021. Yep. Like have you been near a sheet of ice for uh, look, a, a team or league that semi matters? Re- remember when the Lightning brought in Barry Melrose to be their head coach <laughs> for all of I think like 16 games because he used to be a coach back in 1994 right. and had been on NHL TV for ESPN for a number of years. But he was Therefore, Wayne Gretzky's favorite coach. must know the game now. But he was Wayne Gretzky's favorite coach. That was yeah. the that was the justification. He was he was oh, Wayne Gretzky's well, favorite coach. So Wayne, Wayne Gretzky, another uh, a great legendary coach, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> yeah, and Skyler, you know, thank you again for the the super chat donation. You know, yeah, at least Stevie Y was with Tampa before Detroit, and he was under Ken Holland before he went to Tampa. I was going to say before Tampa Bay, he was in Detroit as well. Either yeah. as like an advisor or AGM or something like. Yeah, that. like he was he was learning under Ken Holland before he went uh, and before he went and took the job in Tampa Bay. Um, so, I, I like again, I have no problem with guys earning their spots, but I just I don't think that alumni are always the answer. 
Right. I guess that that's the short version of my long-winded version. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I think I, I like I understand the appeal to alumni and look at having alumni do different things is is fine. I just I I, I don't like how much they become the go to. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Especially well, in San Jose. Uh, well, yeah, and, yeah. and so, let me ask you this, Ian. Mm-hmm. You you have, you have a heart beating in your chest. Would you like to do heart surgery tomorrow? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> You know, like, and, and don't, like, I think the alum and, and the alumni hire, like, I get it. It keeps fans happy. You know, it's, oh, it's, oh, remember when, oh, so fond, so great. But like you said, you know, if you haven't put in the work, you know what I mean? And to Kevin's point, like, you know, Wayne Gretzky was a coach of the Phoenix Coyotes and that was a nightmare, like a literal nightmare. Like Mm -hmm. they couldn't get rid of him fast enough. Yeah, I think it's funny, right? Because like I, I feel like for guys like like that, and maybe and this is just my complete pie in the sky explanation for that. I think for for guys like you, the coaches that seem to do really well at coaching aren't superstars. Some of them are some of them are really good players, but none of them are superstars. And I think it's because when the game comes that naturally to you, it's hard to explain that to someone else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and. and- Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I've talked enough. <laughs> uh, I can't remember if it was on the last Tilt City Glasses that we did, or I, I know I have said it on a show at some point about, look at Bob Bugner. I mean, you take him or leave him. I mean, he's an NHL coach. Bottom leave him. There. Um, did you say leave him? Yeah. <laughs> but look at Bob Bugner. Certainly not a superstar. Certainly nothing more than a third-line pair defenseman for for Buffalo for many years and a little bit for Colorado. Um, but why does Bob Bugner um, uh, or someone like Bob Bugner work as an NHL coach? I think it's because when you're a depth guy, you're looking at every fine detail in your game you can possibly make to stand out in order to stay in the lineup. And so I think that comes out um into coaching as well where you're you're supposed to be analyzing breaking everything down and and trying to improve upon that for you know and and direct that to your team um i I, the the superstar player like you said gretzky um great greatest player of all time but definitely doesn't make him a great coach or a good coach even yeah, and, and, and to your point, you know, you, you may see you may see an NHL coach who had a good NHL career, but by no means were they like some elite superstar all the way through. You know what I mean? Like I look at I think of Travis Green. I think of Rick I think of Rick Tockett. I think of Dallas Eakins. You know what I mean? Like the, like I would argue that these guys are good coaches. But when you think of their NHL career, it I mean, you pull up hockey DB because you're going to have to, like, double check where they were and what they did. Right. Um, um, and and just going uh, – I hate ending it on a, just a random note. Mm-hmm. But Do um, it. <laughs> it, it, we just saw it happen yesterday in Switzerland. So it doesn't just happen in the NHL. SC Bern, one of the most accomplished teams in the Swiss National League, just decided, well, Andrew Ebbett, 
played for us for six years and then this past season played in Germany. Let's just fire our GM and name Andrew Ebbett our new GM with no experience straight from being a player to the GM. I know things are a little different in Europe. Uh, you see it all happen all the time in soccer, mm-hmm. but Hmm. <laughs> um, all right, so I'm going to switch gears here because um, the San Jose Barracuda uh, announced their team awards for the season. So I'm hoping to get uh, your take on some of these, Kevin. Um, I'll start with the MVP, which was Alexander True. Oh, hey. So I will try not to um, repeat too much since uh, I have talked a lot about the Barracuda on on. Killtown USA, uh, After Dark, and and uh, the upcoming episode of In the Reef that I'll be having for the season recap. But with these with these awards, um, that it's a big eyebrow raiser for me for Alex True, um, in part because uh, he was on the taxi squad a fair amount the second half of the season, and uh, I said it before and I'll say it again. You, I felt that one. Joachim Blickfeld was the best player on the Barracuda this season. But Mm -hmm. being the best player does not automatically make you the most valuable player. And for me, the MVP should have been Max Latunov. Because when Blickfeld and True started getting their their call-ups and their taxi squad time, it was, who's going to provide the offense? And True had a very good year. Uh, I'd say second best behind Blickfeld. But the guy who stood up time and time again with those guys absent was Max Latunov. So he would have been my MVP. So uh, this one isn't just a... I could see it. I mean, for, for me in this case, it's a, wow, Alex True is MVP. I don't know if I agree with that. Uh, top rookie was uh, Brinson Pasichuk. Yeah! <laughs> I knew you were going to do it. I knew you were going to lead with that. I mean, Brinson Pasichuk was fine this year. Uh, as as Ian and I, well, all three of us love to, to say, he was a guy. He was a guy. Uh, the, offensive, the offensive numbers didn't really come through this year and i don't think that's a bad thing because i actually think brinson pashnuk has a lot to work on defensively and i did notice that uh he um was improving defensively over the course of the year so uh from that perspective i felt like this was a year that he could really you know obviously his first year professionally for one being a rookie but i think this was a a good year for him to fine-tune aspects of his game that I feel anyway are lacking. What I really think is lacking is his skating ability. I think his skating really needs to come up. He did have that cup of coffee with the Sharks and actually looked fine. Looked like a guy for the Sharks there. Um, but I, I suppose, I don't know if I, since I haven't really thought about rookie of the year since the majority of them are rookies, um, I, I'm fine with this, uh, this pick. But, um, I don't think that we should be looking at, oh, Brinson Pashnik was the rookie of the year for the Barracuda and just immediately say, he must Pack your bags, Merkley. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't Merkley. Yeah, it wasn't Merkley. In fact, 
I would say Ryan Merkley was one of the least impressive. And he wasn't he and he was one of the least impressive rookies for for the Barracuda this year, but it wasn't that he was overall horrible for them. So, right. it, you know, it's it, it well these guys these guys are still developing and and we'll see what happens going forward, but I do think Merkley really does have a lot to work on for sure. I I know um like coming like up and leading up to this season, like Doug Wilson, that was one of the first names that Doug Wilson would always spit out when he was talking and not a mention by Doug Wilson by the end of the season. Yeah. Well, most of, most of Ryan Merkley's highlight packages, hi, highlight reel consists of him jumping up, mistiming a play or making a lazy play. And in any event, getting burned for a breakaway the other way. Yeah, and and, and that's and, and I and I say this kind of in jest. Like I am not completely sour on Merkley or anything right now. This nope. I just I just um, I think you know we he he was a project and we knew he was a project coming in. Yeah. And in the chat, time and time again, I've seen. So Merkley's a bust. No, Merkley's no. not a bust. He's twenty years old. <laughs> His first year pro. He will hopefully learn. He does have to learn in order to progress to to move up in the ranks. Um, but bust, absolutely not. No. Um, Jacob Middleton, top defender. Uh, on paper, yeah. <laughs> like I feel like he should be should be the uh, the top defender. I would give this to Nicholas Malosh. Okay. Uh, so I guess three for three in my I don't know if I agree necessarily with the awards, <laughs> but uh I think Nicholas Malosh was great for the Barracuda this year. He really worked on on his overall mobility. He looked more in tune with the, the shark slash barracuda system. Um he looked more and more confident uh throughout the year. I really towards the end of the year, if you follow me on Twitter, and I hope that you guys do, um you st- would have seen me start to go from Malosh is looking good to me just raving about Malosh by the end of the year. And I think that Middleton had flashes where he was what we would expect Jake Middleton to be. Was he a top defender for the Barracuda? Yes. The top defender? No, no, not not at all. And even Christian Yaros, when he was with the team, I thought Yarosh played really well for the Barracuda too, better than Middleton. Yeah, I mean, Middleton's a guy for me. Sorry, go ahead, Dirk. I was just going to say, I know he played a little bit of forward as well, but I thought Robbie Russo was decent. I did too. I thought Robbie Russo brings great veteran leadership. But uh, on the recent episode of Calder Farmstead, Sean O'Brien tore Robbie Russo's game apart. And <laughs> he actually like sent me screenshots of, uh, of some of the issues with Russo's game. And I went, huh. You have a point. You have a point. <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm with you. Like I overall I'm still happy with what Robbie Russo brought to the Barracuda this year. Yeah, like Jake Middleton's a guy to me which kind of it's kind of a set trick. Like Jake Middleton was a guy that's really high on, but I mean he just can't get a look in the NHL and I don't know what the future is for him at this point. Because he's I, been I, jumped I, in the I he's think been he needs to move on to yeah, start. because he's been jumped in the, the depth chart a number of times now. Um, which is unfortunate because I thought I thought there was something there. Uh, I think he can still be a serviceable six seven defenseman. I think he brings good leadership. He's steady on the back end. I think he's very very smart. Mm-hmm. Um, I think his his mindset is his best quality. And I think I think an NHL team 
um, should take a flyer on them if they, if they want to bring in some, some depth. I don't know. You shouldn't expect the world out of Jake Middleton, but um, I would happy I would be happy if the Sharks kept him on the roster if they use him. Um, but if I was another NHL organization, uh, I think bringing in Middleton would be a good choice. All right. So the next three are kind of just um, – they're not really, like, top anything. Uh, was the John McCarthy Leadership Award went to Jacob Magna, who is the captain. Yes? Sure. Sure. Um, yeah. The Rice Almer Most Inspirational uh, Award went to um, Brandon Coe. I think that's fair because he uh, being someone who should have been in juniors this year in a in a normal year um and to to progress from being an injured scratch at the start of the year to a healthy scratch for a large portion of the uh, the season especially when the barracuda were carrying 10 forwards and Mm -hmm. still healthy scratching brandon co to go to the fourth line to the third line and by the time the playoffs happened he was the first line right wing um he definitely was showing good signs and showing that while he he may not be AHL ready yet, he can handle like he had the a, a good demeanor about his game on the ice. I'm sure off the ice as well, but on the ice, uh, he didn't look overwhelmed. He might not have the talent yet to match the AHL, but he didn't look overwhelmed by that. So I think that was a good good choice by the Barracuda. Probably the best choice they made for the award, unless there you unless, go. Uh, Kojin Ash for goalie of the year, which should have been the biggest no-brainer of all time. <laughs> yeah, no no, no goaltender of the year. Um, the three stars award went uh, three stars award went to Yoel Shellman. Sure. sure. Right, see, I, I'm, I would actually argue Yoel Shellman uh, had a better year than Alex True. There you Barracuda. go. The thing of it is, is Yoel Shellman spent most of the year with the uh, with the taxi squad. So it wouldn't be fair to slap an MVP label on him. But Joel Shellman was fantastic in his limited time with the Barracuda this year. All right. So we're running long. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, jerk. I was just, I was just going to say, you know, that was your friendly reminder on how to pronounce Shellman's first name. (laughs) There you go. It's J O E. It's J O E L pronounced Yoel. Yoel. (laughs) <laughs> or if you saw on Twitter, someone was like, oh, when when do we get the not-friendly reminder? And Ian was like, it's fucking Yoel. <laughs> Yoel Shellman, motherfucker. <laughs> Big capital say, letters. The, the not-friendly reminder is when I'm screaming at a certain public address announcer. That's the not-friendly mm-hmm. reminder. All right. So um, we're going to get to the end here because uh, we have run long as we always do because we never, you know, we're like, ah, maybe it'll be like a 45 minute show this time I around. I up my burrito and that's where I went when I stepped away and it's cold. I have to heat it again. So. This is what we do on this show. Uh, Kevin, you had a couple questions. Yeah, except for I already forgot the first one, uh, which is uh, not surprising because that's usually what I do. And it was a really good one, too. It was kind of like a, a off the wall question. But so I'm just going to ask you guys and then also those of you in the chat or listening on your favorite podcatcher, I want to pose this. So on Wednesday in soccer, it was the Europa League final, the Europa Cup final. It went the entirety of their team in the penalty kicks. All 10 players for each team scored. In soccer, when you get to the 11th person, it's goalie versus goalie. And sure enough, Villarreal's goalie scored 
Manchester United's goalie did not. And that was the decider for the Europa wow. League Cup final. So my question for you guys, let's go back. We were talking about the Rangers earlier. Of course, Merrick Malik is probably one of the, the greatest shootout moments in NHL history. My question for you guys is, if all 18 skaters go and it's still tied after 18 rounds, would you like to see goalie versus goalie because why not especially because it's regular season so you're not going to have a cup the stanley cup on the line in that case you know but martin joe let's go with uh you know yosef kojanash probably the best puck handling goalie we have right now so yosef kojanash skates in on pecorine and i'm curious your thoughts on that you want to see goalies Go in the shootout as, as long as they're in full gear yeah absolutely i want to i want to see them with full gear i don't would they use their goal stick or would they like grab like a, a player's stick i wonder i think they should grab a player's stick okay yeah. yeah i'm with you there but i still want to see them come up in full gear with a player's stick and just try and dangle with all that gear on <laughs> i think that would be fun to see just because like and you mentioned pecorine you know, I, I, I think of Carey Price. I think of Marc-Andre Fleury. Like, there are some goalies who can actually rip the puck pretty well. Mike Smith, top shelf. Oh, oh dude. <laughs> yeah, I dig. I, I think that, I mean, the, the amount of players you'd have to get through to get to that point. But, I mean, yeah, get in the, the, the super rare chance that we'd ever get there. Uh, yeah, give me. Load me up. Why not? You know? The worst that can happen is they both uh, they both miss, and you go right back to the... Devin Dubnik no, shooting no, on that... <laughs> on Bennington. I was going to say the backup goalie would get a shot then. Yeah. Ooh. Now, I didn't think of that, but that is true. You'd have all 20 players. So I, I just want to see Devin Dubnik score on Bennington. <laughs> 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 oh, my yeah, goodness. Dubnik scores and a fight breaks and out. And a fight breaks out. Oh man, could you imagine? That'd be great. Well, guys, this has been uh this has been the first of what we hope will be many episodes this summer. Um I hope you guys enjoyed. Uh if you have any feedback for the show, uh leave us a comment, leave us a like. Um all the usual YouTube stuff, obviously, it helps us out uh immensely. Leave us a comment, leave us a like. You can find uh you can talk to us on Twitter. I am at Ian Bloggs Hockey on the Twitter machine. Kevin is at Kevin Lacey 22. Hockey Jerk is hockey underscore jerk. Um, you know, definitely uh, you can interact with us there. Um, we all of us lurk in the, the Teal Town Discord. So if you ever want to throw us a question for the pod, that's a great place to do it. Um, or, you know, like I said, DM one of us and we'll be happy to, to get on the list. I mean, we have so much stuff that we want to cover this summer. Um, obviously the expansion draft, I think we came back just for the expansion draft. I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, we're, I'm not going to lie. I'm really, really excited about talking that with you guys. Yeah. Like, uh, the expansion draft coming up, the draft drafts coming up, uh, obviously, teams are going to do some really really stupid things and we're going to be here to talk about it um so you know we really appreciate you guys uh tuning in and, and uh even after all this time we've been gone and and giving us such a, a warm welcome back we got 25 people watching in the chat um so you know you know what to do uh like the video subscribe subscribe to all our audio streams all of them so we can inflate our numbers and be super awesome but um, <laughs> any any final thoughts, guys, before I shut this down? 
yeah, I've I've got one. Sorry. So, uh, if if for those who are entered in the Teal Town, uh, USA bracket challenge, um, check your leaderboard. There's a certain uh, jerk who is at the top, uh, and if you're not part of our league, why? Um, but <laughs> you know, we've had five of the eight series conclude to this point, and I'm five for five so far. I'm hoping to go eight for eight. Not on the games, because anybody who gets all those right is clairvoyant. But you know, for I sure. got I got all the teams right. I'm feeling pretty good about that. So, you know, I'm I'm looking at Toronto, I'm looking at Vegas, I'm looking at Carolina, if they can pull it out. Could be eight for eight. Um that may make me insufferable to listen to for a couple weeks. Um, but we all need something to be happy about. Yeah, my bracket's in uh danger right now. Kevin, any final thoughts? My final thoughts kind of in the same line. Um, the first round of the playoffs here is wrapping up, but uh, really good hockey here in the first round. The first round of the playoffs is usually my favorite round to watch anyway, just because there's upsets, and usually most of the multi-OT games are in the first round. Um, but just the, the matchups this year, it was refreshing to see some different matchups, I mm-hmm. think, overall. Um, as much as I have made fun about Toronto and Montreal, the only reason the NHL does the divisional format is to try and force a Toronto-Montreal playoff to happen. And it did happen this year, but um, even though the circumstances were weird, honestly, I was I really was super excited about that matchup. And, and Carolina and Nashville getting the chance to play each other, the, the teams that are closest geographically uh, with each other and yet are normally participate in different conferences whatever uh, <laughs> right t- tampa florida <laughs> tampa bay versus florida great matchup washington and boston the powerhouse matchup i was looking forward and uh, successful in watching the islanders upset pittsburgh so um just overall good good playoffs here so far it's been fun and i think next round uh, of course Pending the outcome of Vegas versus Minnesota, um, but the potential to have a Colorado Vegas second round matchup, woo, that'll be fun. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know what? Like this Predators team, uh, not to not to go on any longer here, but like considering like where they were halfway through the season, where we were talking, you know, like it's like, oh, where's all their defensemen going because they're gonna blow this thing up? Uh, to now, I mean. That's a hell of a run. That's uh, looking out. forward to. Watch out for Nashville too, just because they might be saying doing the whole St. Louis did it two years ago. Oh, damn! Why don't say we... that. My poor bracket. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so that's it, guys. We appreciate you guys coming in. Um, yeah, head up the Discord uh, for sure. AJ just put the link in the chat there. Um, definitely hit up the Discord. I'm going to come in for a little bit, but I can't stay super long. Um, which means I'll be there till three o'clock in the morning. Um, but anyway, guys, thank you again for, uh, for being here and just keep an eye on the, uh, Twitter machine slash YouTube. And we'll let you know when we are going to do this again. Um, that's it. Um, uh, thank you. Goodbye. <laughs>